how do you connect that strategy with the work that everybody does? Such that it doesn't just become a nice buzzword and a nice poster on the wall in the office. That's the real work, in my opinion. That's my role and my team's role and the management's role. It's the connection that's really important. Hi, I'm Belden Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'm joined by Noel Butwell, Chief Executive Officer of the Advisor Part of Aberdeen. He shares with us how they're achieving client-led growth and how this growth is addressing a critical nationwide capacity gap. He also describes how important it is to keep strategy simple and how they use a few simple rules to decentralize implementation. He also shares what was the hardest part of developing and implementing their strategy. Well, Noel, thank you uh, for joining us here on The Purposeful Strategist. Maybe just as a way to get going, you could tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about Aberdeen Advisors. Yeah, we'll do. And, and, and first and foremost, thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to speak with you today, Belden. I've been looking forward to this. So, yeah, I'm Noel Butwell. I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Aberdeen, responsible for our advisor business. And I'll come on and talk a little bit more about that in a moment. I've worked in financial services for over 30 years. I think it's about 33 years, actually. The vast majority of which has been working directly with clients or you know, ensuring that we've got a diverse set of uh, solutions to meet the diverse set of clients and customer needs that we have. So it's pretty much all being largely sort of client-facing. I joined this business, uh, now known Aberdeen, formerly Standard Life, as it was in 2003. I held a number of senior positions within the business prior to being appointed as the chief exec two years ago now. Just in terms of Aberdeen, Aberdeen is best described, I suppose, as a global investment and asset management business. It's actually headquartered in Edinburgh. It's where I am today. We've got just over 5,000 employees globally. The company is 196 years old, but we've probably seen more change in the last 18 months than the previous 194 years. Um, Largely as a result of a, a new group CEO, my boss, Stephen Bird, who joined us in September of last year. What's happened in that time, we've clarified our brand. That was a key part of the new client-led strategy that we put in place, essentially simplifying it from, from a multitude of brands to just one master brand. But at the same time, reflecting the strong heritage and strong partnerships we've got with clients and customers than we've had for many years. We've split the group effectively into three businesses, the investment business, the advisor business, and then the personal wealth business. And I'm, as I said, the CEO of the advisor business. So within advisor, we provide services through our wrap and elevate platforms. And these are to authorise regulated advisors and wealth managers in the UK. We enable our clients to deliver their client value proposition, their core services, their high quality financial planning solutions via the technology and services that we essentially provide them. So That's broadly what we're all about, where I've come from and what I do. That's really helpful. You mentioned this a couple of things, just to kind of get advisors sort of in the group a little. But 5,000 globally overall, how many are in the Aberdeen Advisors business? There's about 1,000 colleagues that work 
within advisors. So yes, it's it's not an insignificant number. And you used a couple of terms in there that I'm sure people who are in the world you're in know very well. But for anybody who's not entirely clear what an IFA or a RAP is, just a word or two on those. Yes, particularly in the UK, we have financial advice businesses. And in fact, there's around about five and a half thousand regulated, authorised financial advice businesses in the UK. And there's circa 28,000 financial planners. So these are the actual individuals that are authorised to give people like you and I and some of the people that will be listening to this uh, financial advice. They're authorised, they're regulated by the FCA. And so essentially, as a business, they're our clients. The clients are the financial advice businesses. The accepted term in the market is IFA, which stands for Independent Financial Advisors. The RAP platform that we provide essentially is a technology solution that allows the financial advice business to, in essence, run their business and deliver their client value propositions to their clients. So it has all the different tax wrappers, so things like pensions, general investment account, ISAs that sit on there. It has a whole host of tools, such as cash flow modeling and risk assessment tools. It has an extensive range of investment solutions, as well as a whole host of management information. It's more of a business solution than it is a product for the advice firm, if that makes sense. It's what they will use in order to essentially, as I say, provide their advice to their end customers. So I may have it wrong, but it sounds to me like it's much more of a technology business in some senses Yeah, that operates in the financial world than a financial business with a bit of technology, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, okay. So one of the things I'm very interested to hear about is, you know, you've got this business, you're the chief exec, it's part of a bigger group, you've got a new group exec who clearly seems to be making some changes and setting some direction. Yeah. How does the purpose of your business connect to all of that? Yeah, it's a good question. It all does start with the purpose. And Steve was very clear, and we as an exec team were very clear that ultimately our purpose as a group is we enable our clients to be better investors. So in essence, that's our purpose. Our strategy, I think, can be summed up as simply as client-led growth. We start with what clients want and then find out a way to deliver it, then you get growth. Sitting at the heart of that approach is how best we utilise what we term as time, technology, and talent for our clients. So we certainly believe, Stephen believes, I believe, you know, client-led growth is the highest quality growth because it's underpinned by a deep understanding of the needs, wants, and aspirations of your clients and ensuring that all of your product capabilities, all of the solutions in our case, the technology that you develop and the performance of what it is has to be first class, has to be the best possible it can be. I've said, and, and we've developed with my team, you know, our growth will come from us being the easiest business for advisors to partner with. So that's delivered by that constant focus on differentiating against the competitors in the markets, a crowded, busy market, on the quality of our content and the quality of our experience. So what what that essentially means then is that we don't just focus on uh, things like, let's say, just great service or having a low price or functionality of, say, our pensions or investment solutions or investment options. What we do is we package it all up together in a way that's genuinely compelling for advisors. 
So the content is genuinely compelling, but the experience of interacting with it and using it is uh, equally as compelling. So they have to work in tandem. Part of this is thinking about what are the issues that the advice firms and businesses that we work with and their clients have and are facing into every single day so that we know, for instance, in the UK market, there's a huge capacity issue. So there's just not enough advice capacity to meet the demand from UK people for the provision of advice. And it's probably also quite true to say that a lot of the processes that advisors have been using and continue to use, they've been using for years um, and, and they haven't really changed. And, and whilst the world has moved on, the processes and the systems to actually support haven't. So what we are doing, and this comes right back to what I was saying before, in the advisor vector, our purpose around being the easiest is we help advisors streamline their businesses so they can try and serve more clients. So everything I do is how do I introduce capacity into an advice business, into a business that we work with, an advice partner, that releases capacity so they can serve more clients, provide more advice to more people. And I'll only do that by essentially having an experience or having content that's easy for them to interact with. So that's essentially what's the heart of the advisor vector, but it plays back to the overriding purpose of enabling our clients to be better investors in its broadest sense. Mm -hmm. And that purpose there about enabling the advisors, enabling your clients, where did that come from? I mean, did you develop that, you know, sort of sitting in a, in a dark room by yourself or a lot of people involved? How did you get to that as sort of your slice of that overall group purpose? The honest answer is, and the obvious answer, was having listened to all of our clients, it became pretty self-evident that in order to grow our business, we needed to help them grow their business. Um, and by making everything we did and everything we do and everything we plan to do um, frictionless and effortless is probably the phrase I'd use, then that would create the capacity. But partly also, Belden, we've done some really innovative stuff over the years. I mean, I would say some, some of the developments we've, we've made around the functionality on the platform and, and, and what, what advisors can do uh, that they weren't able to do. Some of it's been really, really, you know, sort of market-leading, cutting-edge innovation. But equally, I also think we've done that at the expense of the intuitiveness and the user experience of the solutions we have. And so you might argue we've not really listened to a lot of our clients over the years. And then having listened to them, it became very obvious to me that in order to create competitive advantage, we would become the easiest business for advisors to partner with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hear, I think, that the purpose there around easiest sort of flowed out of the strategy around client-led growth. I mean, is that sort of the way that works? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I wish there was something much more um, insightful, but it's genuinely built in as simple as listening to your clients and acting upon the insight you get. And if your clients say to you, we want this, 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 and this, and we don't like this, this, and this, well, you've got a choice. You either listen to them or you don't. <laughs> And if you don't listen to them, then you don't be too surprised that they don't continue to partner with you to the level that you'd like. If you do listen to them, then you'll start to see 
client-led growth comes through the business because it's absolutely being driven by the client. The purpose of being easy is definitely driven by the strategy. So, the, you know, in some regards, the purpose almost followed the strategy, but that was the North Star, if that makes sense. Sure. But then I get both kind of from what you said here and also from some of our previous conversations, I get the sense that that's all true. And yet there's almost sort of like a higher level that you're thinking about that says, well, there's people out there who actually aren't properly advised right now or can't get access to the advice that benefit from as as easily or as inexpensively as they'd like. If we can create more capacity out there, that's got to help those people, even if we never quite see them directly, that's going to help those people. That's going to be a good thing for everybody. Is that yeah, I mean, it, 100%. I mean, depending on what survey you read, there's anywhere in the UK building, anywhere between 9 million people and 20 million people who would benefit from some form of financial advice. But that could be just purely information. That could be guidance. So it's the whole suite. Anything that we can do that releases uh, or, or creates capacity, as I've already said, within an advice firm that allows more people to access advice that they can look forward to a future with, irrespective of what level of assets or money they have, uh, a greater degree of dignity, that, that has to be a good thing. And in terms of my career, something that I want to be able to look back on and think that the company I work for has had a positive impact on. Because there is a huge opportunity, but equally there's a huge challenge if we don't do something about it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I think I hear in that is you've kind of found a way to align this sort of higher purpose, the overall organization strategy, the Aberdeen advisors strategy, and kind of the purpose around being easiest. They they all sort of line up together. Um, so So just to kind of challenge that a little bit, Given all the focus on climate change and net zero, can, can an organization be successful today if if sort of the purpose doesn't somehow relate to that? I think uh, no, particularly when we look at climate change, net zero, it has to relate to that. I think we'd all look back over the last sort of 18 months and you know the global pandemic reminded us, I suppose, of the major challenges facing society that can only be solved by global collaboration and cooperation. It, it just will not happen in isolation. And I think companies are rightly under increasing scrutiny to conduct business in a way that's not only economically sound, but also socially and environmentally responsible. And I think this means that a company is governed in the interests of all its stakeholders, including employees, as well as customers, but also society as a whole, and to take it to its extreme, the planet, you know, we have such a responsibility. So I think the, the, the ESG, environmental, social and governance, have always been considerations that remain an integral part of our decision-making process. Tackling climate change is a huge priority. It's, it's a vital priority. We'll pursue that in the businesses in which we invest in, obviously in our own operations. So companies like ours have a a critical role to play, I think, in terms of accelerating the transition to that sustainable net zero economy. So it is embedded and woven through and your, your strategy entirely. I mean, we've developed a climate change strategy focused on net zero directed investing. So we're moving towards a goal of net zero in the real world. So not just in our portfolios, we'll seek to achieve this through a set of actions 
that include rigorous research into net zero trajectories, net zero solutions, and an active ownership to influence corporates and importantly policymakers. So I think it's fairly easy to say how our purpose of enabling clients to be better and better is linked to this. The word better in this context means things include better for the world as a whole. So ignore ESG, climate change, et cetera, net zero at your folly as a, as a leader of any business, really, to be honest with you. Just so I can get a sense of the timing, both the, the idea of increasing capacity for advice and the benefit that sort of has a societally and this focus on being the easiest. Is that something you've developed you know, fairly recently? When did all that sort of crystallize or has that kind of been when you took over I'm trying to get a sense of sort of how long's the journey been? It's been the last couple of years in terms of developing the strategy explicitly around easiest in particular. It's probably always been there, Belden. I mean, we've been in this market with these solutions for 15 years, but it's definitely crystallised and come into sharper focus in the last two years since I took over because I'm a great believer in keeping strategy as simple as possible because ultimately I'm not the one that delivers it. I've got a thousand people, as we said at the start, that all need to connect and get behind it, but understand in what they do every day, how does that deliver the strategy that we've agreed and we are essentially therefore then taking into the market that we want to operate in. But it was a relatively organic approach. It's almost even just a mindset, to be honest with you, Belden. But like saying, if you want to deliver solutions to advisors that therefore then ensures that you are viewed as the easiest business to deal with the market, then that's a mindset you take into everything you do every day. So we did actually develop some what we termed as experience principles to back this up. There was four, so always efficient, right first time, listen, understand, and provide leading functionality. What we then did is we sort of used these as gateways within the business such that let's say our sales approach, our marketing collateral, how we develop the change program, all had to go through these gateways. So is what we are doing here going to mean that we are always efficient for our advisor firms? Is it going to allow us to be right first time every time? Have we listened and understood based upon what it is we're developing? And will it enable us to lead in terms of the functionality we've got into the market. Just a way of trying to get everybody's mind centred around, is this going to make what it is we take to market and, and the experience that our advisors have the easiest of any of the firms that they could use in our marketplace? Mm-hmm. In my way of thinking about it, that would line up with, it doesn't have to be, but kind of line up with a somewhat organic way of implementing that, that there isn't necessarily in the centre somewhere, you know, sitting on your desk, the the three-year plan of all the things we're going to do, but that it's much more evolved. It's much more, again, I'll use the word organic. Is, is that true? It's, it's absolutely true when it comes to the implementation of the strategy. We have a three-year business plan and a five-year strategy. And there are very specific things in that strategy and in that business plan that we would clearly point to in terms of milestones and indicators that we are delivering against the plan that we have. So the job that I have and my team have is how do you connect that strategy with the work that everybody does such that it doesn't just become a nice buzzword and a nice poster on the wall in the office. That's the real work, in my opinion. That's my role and my team's role and the management's role. It's the connection that's really important. Mm -hmm. 
So if you think about that journey over the last couple of years, is there anything in there you'd say you're particularly proud of in terms of the way you've gone about developing a, what I'll call a purposeful strategy? I think with an advisor, my business, we've got a major role to play in helping close the advice gap in the UK. So we can do that by better educating investors and save the future, delivering better outcomes, whether that's via our own advice business or whether that's with my business working with advisors. We are doing that. And I think that's what makes me feel proud about our strategy because it's rooted in making a difference. Yes, we are a PLC. Therefore, one focus clearly is on shareholder value. It's their money that we spend every day. But what I think we've done is we've built a strategy here that's from a place of ensuring that we help our clients first and foremost. It has an operating model which is slick and scalable. The shareholder return then gets looked after itself, but we're actually having a more positive impact on society more broad because it's proven 80% of people that have advice in its broadest sense achieve a better outcome. So the more people we can get exposed to advice, information, guidance, the better. The more I can create capacity in the market, the better. So that's been, I suppose, my primary goal. And that's the thing I think I'm proud of because everybody's bought into that. Everybody understands that. And we are starting to deliver, not at the pace that I want, because we'll always want to do more and, you know, it's always the way. But I think it's definitely moving in the right direction. And in that journey, was there any of it that you, you know, kind of looking back on it, you think that was harder than I expected or, or maybe where the outcome wasn't really everything you wanted? I think the hardest part of the second strategy was really giving ourselves, myself, my team, the time to think, reflect, and listen. And as I said to you, there's a lot of it was based upon client feedback. So that takes time to collect and collate and then make actionable. But it was really important to me to make sure that we had to pivot towards our experience focus. So it was never an easier shift. We were very much a product-led business, and, and the differentiation was the product. It was that pivot towards experience and the experience focus that was the real hard bit because that's not how we competed, how we differentiated, and how we believed we delivered value uh, up until that point. So I think we've got that now. Uh, I think we've got it well embedded, and the principle is now in, in place and the approach that we take is in place. But it was being patient with the process was probably the hardest bit, if I'm honest. Yeah. Any tips or suggestions for other leaders who are wrestling with this whole issue of purpose and strategy? There's no blinding light of inspiration here from me. I keep it simple and digestible. Your purpose needs to connect to your strategy. And, and I think that's so important. It needs to be understood, but it needs to be understood quickly. And it needs to connect. The link between purpose and strategy is critical because that's the bit that gets colleagues engaged so that they can then go and execute and deliver for their clients. People sort of say, you know, well, what is strategy? And I, I said simply, the sentence starts with what if you're probably having a strategic conversation. So what if we were to do X, Y, Z? If you stick those two words at the start, then it probably sends you off more into a strategic conversation. But keep it simple. Simplify it, simplify it, simplify it again. And how do you bring it down to the most simple level possible? And it certainly works. It absolutely works, in my opinion. What would you say the impact has been on you personally during the course of this? You know, sort of what might you say, here's something I learned or here's how I'm different a couple of years from starting this journey? Certainly what I have done is I've formed my executive team. So I've been very fortunate that I was able to 
pretty much handpick and build that team. And I've invested in a deeply diverse executive team. I think it's probably the most diverse team in our business and, and certainly one that I worked in. I've got a broad mix of ages, backgrounds, experience, strong gender balance. Because I passionately believe, Belden, that encouraging diversity of thought as a result of people's experiences and background can better develop for our clients because we're more representative of the clients that we want to deal with. You know, it's almost holding that mirror up. Anything I haven't asked you about that you wish I had? (laughs) You said you could ask me this, didn't you? Yeah. Maybe what am I excited about for next year? As we are at that time of year. Throughout this year, the focus has been creating the strategy, building the advisor business and making sure that we've got the right capabilities and talent, the right people to deliver it. And we've had a massive focus on the new brand. We take a 196-year-old business with a very iconic brand to a more new modern brand operating under one brand. All of that that was negotiating, you know, the, the pandemic and adjusting to the blended way of working. But the strategy that we've put in place really builds to a bit, let me call it a crescendo this year, in as much as there's a whole host of stuff that we've been developing and working on that we will be releasing and unleashing to the market that really does play to that purpose of being the easiest but also the uh, strategy built upon content and experience. We're able to stand by that and look advisors in the in, in the eye and say, right, this is what we're delivering to help you run your business and deliver your client value proposition and create that capacity such that more people can get more advice. So it won't be plain sailing because it never is, as you know, but I do think we're now set up to deliver what I think is a great strategy. I do think it's a great strategy I think it's a great purpose. And I think the market will judge that, particularly next year when they see everything that we are going to be bringing into the marketplace. So that's why I'm excited about next year in particular. I think that's actually a really great note to end on. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. And particularly, thanks for sharing, if you don't mind my saying so, your, your rather simple but exciting view of how you can line all those different things up. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, Belden. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of the purposeful strategist.